So we're, we're continuing our, our series on uh, the book of 1 John, and so we're going to be in chapter 3 today. We're going to be looking at verses 11 through 16, where, where John continues to talk about uh, love, love, and specifically loving one another. So when I was preparing for this sermon, there was a, a song that kept playing in my head over and over and over again by uh, Tina Turner. I'm, I'm dating myself. You guys know the song I'm talking about, right? What's love got to do, got to do with it? What's... Uh, here you go. All right, here we go. All right. About to have a concert. Ray J, come back. Um, but I'm going to answer Tina Turner's question this, this, uh, this morning because what does love have to do with it? The answer to that question, at least in this passage, what John is saying is love has everything to do with it. That the love of God is what has met us. The love of God is what changes us. And the love of God that changes us as we has met him and we are transformed is what is expressed to others. That we are to love one another because we have been loved by God. Love has everything to do with it, according to John in this passage. And so today, this is, what, this is what I want to talk about. It sounds pretty easy, right? Just love one another. I think there's a reason why he's writing this book, and there's a reason for us to hear it. It's because for most of us, loving one another, sometimes it's just not that easy. And so this is what we're going to, dis- to discuss today in this passage. The call to love one another the conflict that exists in our hearts through the life of Cain is what we're going to look at. And then we're going to see Christ's example as we try to emulate his love that he has shared to us. So we're going to read this passage together. Let's go ahead and stand and read this passage, verses 11 through 16. We do that here in reverence to God's word. So we're going to do this together. You guys ready? All right, here we go. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of life into, oh, death into life. Sorry, because we love the brothers. Whoever does not abide, you get. Yeah. You know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your presence here today. God, I ask that you would show up here that you would help us to not hear from me, but to hear from you. That, God, you have something for each and every single one of us that will transform our lives, our hearts, and hopefully, God, will, will heal wounds and heal relationships. So, God, I thank you today. God, help us to hear well. Help me to decrease and you increase in this moment. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so John starts here in verse 11 
For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, and we've heard that phrase before. He says that we should love one another. And John is using what I like to call the KISS method. You guys heard the KISS method before? No? All right, it's keep it simple, simpleton, right? We'll, call it, we'll, say, we'll say simpleton today. There's another word that's used there, but I can't say it here uh, from the stage or I'll get fired. Um, but this was, this was John's life verse. This was John's motto. If you read history books, you would, you would know and, and see that John, on his, his last words, his dying words were, love one another. They would pick John up, bring him into to temples, into sanctuaries. And as he was old, he would only have enough energy to say a few words. And those words were, what do you think? Love one another. That was his message, a very simple one. Love one another. And that message has not changed, has never changed. It's been the same since the beginning, since they had heard it that they are to love one another because that will evidence that they have been changed and transformed by the love of God. How are they supposed to know that they are a child of God, that they know God? Is it by some some worldly kind of otherworldly feeling? Is it by, you know, understanding the depths and deep wells of theology? Is it by depriving yourself of certain things? Is it is it by hiding from the world? Is it by constantly doing good things in the community? These are all really good things. But how do we how do we know what John is saying here is how do you know, you know. By loving one another. A very simple message. Loving your brothers and sisters in Christ. And I think we've somehow overcomplicated the message a little bit. Somehow we confuse being a child of God with specific moral values and stances and politics. And we plant our our flag on hills and we publicly declare that this is how you will know that I am a child of God. And basically we are proclaiming that this is how the world will know that we know God. By our morality, by our legalism. And Jesus has clearly stated, as we we can read in John 13, and as John has stated here in this book, that the world will know you by how you love one another. The evidence that you know God will be how you know and love other people. This is the message that they have heard from the beginning. This is the message and the call that God is calling all of us here. It's very simple. I'll say it again. Love one another. Say it for me, family. Love one another. How will my neighbors know that I'm a child of God? (laughs) How will my family members know that I'm a child of God? How will my co-workers know that I'm a child of God? Listen, family, how will, you don't have to answer this question, but I thought about this. How will my kids know that I, that I know God? How will my kids know what that looks like? They will know it by how I love others and how I love them. Not just through discipline, not just through truth, but through affection, grace, and sacrifice. Loving one another. And specifically, one another in this passage is the church. Look around. It's church folk. You are the one another's that he's talking about. You can, look at, you can look at your neighbor, even though you have a mask on. It's okay. 
Look at your neighbor and tell him, you're called to love me. Why are y'all laughing? That's not funny. Um, this is what John is saying. It's like, it's the Barney song, man. I love you, you love me. We're a, a happy family. Everybody knows that song, but that's the call of a, of a child of God, is that they are to love others, right? And then it's supposed to be reciprocated, that there's a mutual love, that as we love one another, as I love you and you love me, what the world sees is a love that they don't see elsewhere. And that's how they will know that we know the one true God, by our love for one another. Now, again, as I stated before, loving people is not easy. If it was, John wouldn't be writing about it. So, well, I mean, loving me is easy. I'm an easy person to love. But it's all the other people that's difficult to love. But John knows that we need help in this area. We need to be reminded about what it means to love. And so he gives us really two case studies in love. One in love, one in hate. Looks at the sin of Cain, and he looks at the sacrifice of Christ. Cain versus Christ. Hate versus love. Covetousness versus contentment. Selfishness versus selflessness. Giving versus getting. Revenge versus reconciliation. These are the things that we're going to be looking at through the lives of Cain and through the life of Christ. And I'm going to try to get through it as quickly as possible. But he uses the story of Cain here as our first case study, the case study in how not to love. And this is a story that probably every single Jew would have known firsthand. They would have been taught. It would have been passed down from generation to generation. They would have heard the stories. They would have watched the documentaries. They would have looked at this and and knew that Cain was, was someone you did not want to be compared to. He's the first son, but he's also the first murderer who took the life of his own brother and by all accounts, his only brother in a very cruel way and without really much remorse. The story of Cain would be like a a story of, of Hitler for us. You don't want to be this guy. And this is why I believe John uses this story of Cain. It's shocking all, man. It's, it's, I mean, look, Cain. And they would have been like, ooh, Cain. Don't be like Cain. And I think they would have gasped as they heard this read. Because they would have been like, I, I get that we're supposed to, to love one another. But I feel like you're going really to the opposite end of the spectrum, talking about Cain. I mean, that is the worst of the worst. But John is saying, no, 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 no. Listen, if you are not intent and somewhat passionate about loving your brother, about encouraging your brother, about pursuing your brother, there is a thin line that exists and awaits you that leads to Cain, where the life of your brother no longer matters to you. Whether that be spiritually, whether that be emotionally, or whether that be physically. And John keeps it pretty simple here in this verse, as you can see. And he just says it like this. Hey, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered by his brother. And why did he murder him? Again, he keeps it simple because I believe the, the, the hearers would have known this story very well. And so it wouldn't have been something that they had to kind of dive into. 
But I, I believe today, because as we read this passage, yes, yes, we don't want to be like Cain. We don't, we don't want to murder our brothers. And by the gospel standards, murder, hate equals murder, murder in our heart. Right? That's, what, that's what Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter 5. But the question that he raises and he brings up, he says, and why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. And we, we read that passage and we, we know that he murdered him. But really, his, his evil deed happened before he murdered his brother. And really, his heart was evil before the evil deed happened. And then the evil deed happened, and then he murdered his brother, which was another evil deed. And so this is what I want to get to today, and I hope this helps you because it helped me, family, is because we're talking about a heart issue. We're talking about a heart issue here. And I believe that as this passage this passage will open up. We're going to read a little bit of Genesis chapter 4. And my prayer, my hope is that as we read it, we'll be able to see that if, if we can get our heart right, I believe that that will help us in how we relate to others. Right? If we can deal with the heart, we can heal our heart. Can I say that again? Yeah. If we can deal with the heart of the issue, we can heal our heart issues and we can help our relationships. Let me say it like that. So let's, let's go here, family, to Genesis chapter 4, verses 1 through 5. Let's read this real quick. It says this, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And all the single ladies said, hallelujah to that. Um, shameless, shameless, I'm sorry. And again, she, she bore his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. And in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock of their fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. I'll stop here for a second. A few things of note. Cain was a farmer. Abel was a shepherd. Again, different people, different jobs, different skill sets. Just like many of us, we are all different, uniquely and wonderfully made with a purpose and with talents. And like us, the time came when they were to give an offering back to God in thanksgiving and in faith. Think about this. They, they went to church. And this is what they were doing. They were offering worship to God. It's interesting that this first sin here, or this first sin after the original fall, was in a church environment. Ugh, okay, here we go. That's not the message today. Um, but some theologians would say that this, this wasn't the first time that they had made such an offering. But it would seem that this time, Cain did something out of the norm. So instead of offering God his best in the way that Abel did, he gave God less than his best. It was wrong and it was disobedient, but really it was a sign of something that was deeper 
in his soul. And God lets him know through means which we don't know in this passage of Scripture that his half-hearted offering is missing the mark. But instead of Cain looking inwardly and changing his heart towards God, he looks outwardly at his brother and he is enraged with jealousy. And meanwhile, meanwhile, as when we run out of time, meanwhile, as we continue reading this passage here, we'll, we'll see that God is continuing to pursue Cain. He says this in verse 6, the Lord said to Cain, again, God is coming to Cain and he's speaking to Cain. Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at your door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. Family, I don't want you to miss this because this whole time God has been chasing after Cain's heart. He is well aware that the the lack of faith that was expressed through Cain's kind of half-hearted giving was an indicator of something that was much deeper and darker in his life. But Cain took, he mistook God's lack of regard as rejection, but ultimately it was just a redirection. And God is throwing Cain a life raft, hoping to save him from doing something that he will regret forever. Hear hear what God says to Cain. If, If you just do what's right, Cain, you will be accepted. That's not rejection, family. That's redirection. And hear me today that, that some of us here are, are, are furious and angry and depressed just like Cain. Because God has said no to something or taken something away or allowed some difficulty in our life because he has decided to lovingly discipline us and show us where we may be missing the mark And we take his discipline as a dismissal, but really he's just trying to draw us closer to him. He's not rejecting us. He's just redirecting us. And I pray, and the reason why I'm I'm lingering here, because I pray that if we see this rightly, because if we don't, then we will fall victim to the same conflict that conquered Cain, where we take God's redirection as rejection, and then we redirect that pain onto others around us. Hear me when I say it, family. We'll take God's redirection as rejection And then we will redirect that pain onto other people. Yes, Cain didn't do right, but he didn't do right because his heart wasn't right. And he didn't see God right. And he became clouded by his sin. And he became conquered by his sin. And then he took his sin out on his brother. This was a revelation to me as I was reading this. I always thought that the Bible said, that Cain was angry at Abel. But if you read that passage, the Bible never says that Cain was angry at Abel. It just says that Cain was angry and depressed. You can't be depressed at another person. (laughs) Cain was mad at God. But he couldn't kill God. (laughs) Right? So what did he do? He killed the person that really resembled God the most to him. And that was Abel. Some of you say, that's that's not what we do. But that's that's what we do. 
when something's off between us and God, we take it out on other people. It's difficult to forgive people, family, when you are struggling with your own sin and God's forgiveness in your life. It is really hard to operate in grace when you don't understand God's grace and you're struggling with it. When we are discontent with our life and we are mad at God, it is no wonder that we are angry at the people that are closest to us. This is what, this is what we do, but it's not an issue with us and the person. The issue is with us and God. Family, if you are, if you are struggling here, this is, this is where I want to stay here a little bit. Because I, I could keep going, I think, but I think but the point of all of this is to say that for most of us here who sometimes find it hard to, find, to have love for other people, that the problem is not the other person. In fact, most of the time, the problem is with us and God. And the solution is more than just let, let me suffer and let me sacrifice. The answer is salvation and sanctification, Right? We have to get right with God. We got to get right with the Father. That's where we need to go when we're having trouble loving other people. To get the microscope off of the other person and their problems and put the microscope squarely on our own life and say, God, deal with the issues in my heart. I know that I'm upsetting some people today, so that's why you guys aren't talking to me so much. But Deal with God, heal your heart, conquer the sin that's trying to conquer you. And make no doubt about it. The sin, the anger, the displeasure, the unforgiveness is trying to kill you. And that's what Cain never did. And it destroyed his life. And it destroyed his brother. He killed his brother. But you don't have to be like Cain. I'm telling you this right now because you don't have to be like this. Like you can go to God, you can have your heart healed, you can be transformed, and as you are transformed, you, you can transform the relationships that you have around you. And this is how the world will know. This is how the world will know that we know God. It's that we have went to him, we've seen him, and we've reflected that same love to others. This is the fruit of knowing him and being his child. Verse 14 and 15 says it like this. It's pretty straightforward. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. There's a lot that he's saying here in this passage, but basically he's just repeating the same things that that I've, I've said here today. That the purest and truest evidence of a life that knows God is love for brothers and sisters. Like if you want a really good indicator of how someone's soul is, just look and see how well they are pursuing and loving their brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, when I was at, in college, I got born again at 18. I played a lot of basketball, hung out with some, some really cool guys. And, uh, but I got, I got saved. I met God, encountered him. 
wrecked my life uh, for the better. But I started hanging out with these guys in the campus ministry that were nothing like me. They were uh, some mountain guys, or some guys from the mountains of North Carolina who <clears throat> didn't know anything about my culture, for sure. Uh, and most of them lived in towns that didn't have anyone that looked like me, talked like me, dressed like me, lived like me. But one thing that these guys had was that they were pursuing God. And they were going after God. And I wanted to go after God. And so what did I do? Is that I went after these guys. I started hanging out with these guys. And they were very weird. <laughs> like, I don't even know if I would hang out with them now. <laughs> they were weird guys. Um, but man, they loved Jesus. And something in my heart was just like, you know, if you want to go after God, you have to go after these guys. You got to be with these guys. And man, I got, I got picked on. I got teased in college as a 19, 18, 19 year old because I was hanging out with some, <laughs> some goofy dudes um, from the mountains. The stories that I could tell would blow your mind. One of them I'll tell. This is how, how off our cultures were and that they just didn't know me. Was that they, that one of the guys when he was graduating, we had a really close relationship. Uh, he never, he didn't grow up with, with black people in his town. So I was like the only black person he knew. And he was giving this speech in front of our campus ministry. And he was, he was encouraging me from the stage and really just kind of, you know, playing our relationship out for everyone to know how great it was. And he goes, you know, I've never met a colored person before. <laughs> and basically, this was like 2003 or something like that, you know. So it's, it's not 1950 or 1940, you know. He's just like, I just... I'm, I'm just telling you the story because that's just how different we were. <laughs> but I, I know he didn't mean anything by it. It's just that he didn't know. So, we, so you know, we, I talked to him afterwards. I told him, hey, man, you, you know, uh, you can't do that, right? <laughs> but listen, these were the guys that, that God put in my life to pursue. And as I started hanging around them, my life became, began to change. And my other friends, as I began to bring my other friends around these guys, they started looking at me like, Jermaine, you're hanging around these guys? And I'm like, yeah, I'm hanging around these guys because these guys have something going for them that you don't have going for you. And they have God that's going for you, and their life is being changed. And so I want what they have. I want to know who they know. You could tell that my heart was changed because I was pursuing the people of God. And that's my question for you today. How is your pursuit? What does your pursuit of God look like? What does your pursuit of the people of God look like today? I'll just let that question linger for you guys right there. But lastly, John answers this question. What does our love look like? Well, being that we're Christians, our love should probably look like Christ. And so he gives this example in verse 16. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, 
and we ought to lay our lives, lay down our lives for the brothers. Family, the love that God has shared with us through the giving of his son is a love that only we know. No one else knows this love except for us as believers. This is what we know, that God sacrificed his only begotten son and that his son willingly and obediently laid his life down. There's so much that's wrapped in this sacrifice of love, so many verses that I could speak on that, that talks about Jesus' humility, his service, his love that's expressed. And really, I just don't have the time to go through it. But God, as we, as we begin to unwrap the, the, the sacrifice, the gift of his sacrifice, what you will see is, is grace. Because we didn't deserve his favor. As you begin to unravel it, what you'll see is mercy because we deserve the punishment that he received. What what you'll experience is forgiveness because we wronged him, yet he has wiped our slate clean. You'll you'll see his intentionality because he chose us. We didn't choose him. You'll see purpose because everything was dark without him. We were lost without him, but he came chasing after us and found us. Now the, the lights are on for us. And as you begin to un- unravel and unwrap the gift, you'll, you'll see freedom, you'll see deliverance, you'll see hope, you'll see everything that you need for life and godliness is there in the gift of his sacrifice. This is the love that we have received. And if you have understood this love, if you have experienced this love, then you would express this same love to others around you. And so the, the, the question really becomes, if you're having trouble expressing this type of love to others, have you actually experienced this love? Have you actually understood this love? And what, you know, what, does, what does this look like for us? Because, again, I, God isn't calling us to, I don't think God is calling many of us to, to get on a cross and die. So what does it look like for us to lay down our life? Now, for some, for, for some of us, and I'll speak for myself, it's very simple. It could be just <laughs> picking up the phone when someone calls. Yeah. I heard you, Mike. Just don't call me on Monday, bro. That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> It may be serving in ways that we haven't yet served. It might be forgiving someone for an offense. It may be, it may be anything, family, where the life of another carries more value than your own. This is what laying down your life looks like. Again, if we don't love like this, I'm not quite sure we really have understood the love of Jesus. But here's the good news, that the love of God is always pursuing us. It's always coming after us. If you, if you read the story of Cain and Abel, it's magnificent because Cain goes away from God after God pursues him, murders his brother, and what does God do next? He still pursues him. 
Cain, where's your brother? Cain's response is pretty, <laughs> it's pretty wild. Am I my brother's keeper? And God is, God is still talking and communicating with Cain. The reason why I'm going through this is letting you know that if you've done something that you feel as like it's beyond what God can forgive, look at this story. God is pursuing Cain. And though Cain has to suffer the consequences of his action, and Cain says, this is too much for me to bear. I can't handle it. He's exaggerating a little bit. But God, but God, but God goes to him. And he goes, man, well, Cain says, you know what? This is too much for me to bear. I'm going to be a wanderer, and I'm going to be killed. And God says, no, you won't, because I'm going to put my mark on you. Family, listen, today, if you don't know this love, there's nothing that separates you from this love, as Mike talked about earlier God wants to put his mark on you. And I guarantee you, if you will allow God to mark you, if you will allow God to, to enter into your life, he will not only transform you, not only heal your heart, but he will also heal our relationships. Let me, let me pray for us today as we close. Father, I thank you. I thank you for your grace and for your mercy and for your relentless pursuit of every single one of us. There's not a person in this space, either here or online, that God is not in pursuit of. And God, I thank you for that pursuit. Thank you, Father, that even in our sin, even in our darkest days, you are still pursuing us, wanting to put your mark on us. Thank you, God, that we can know that love today. For anyone here that's dealing with broken relationships, broken heart, issues of the heart, thank you that our Father is here and he's not running from you. He wants to heal your heart. This is where he wants to start, touching your heart, changing your life, And in turn, changing your circumstances, changing your relationships, transforming your relationships. With all our eyes are closed here and heads are bowed, is there, is there anyone here that is hearing this message today and says, I'm running from God, but I, I need to know, I need to know him. I want to know him. I want to be marked by him. I want to be changed by him. If there's anyone that's online, you can hit the prayer button. And one of our, our online hosts will pray with you today. Maybe we were 
in a moment, just having a tough time here, raising our hands. just want to pray this prayer. For anyone that wants to pray this, you can pray it as well. But Father, we, today I, I repent for my life that I've lived apart from you. Today I want to give my life to you. I want to know you. I want to experience you. I got a lot of things going on, but what I want to get right is my relationship with you. Change my heart. Change my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, family.